When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Orange Run Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. It is a uh, kind of a Thursday on a Wednesday as we're recording this today. The Browns' day ahead of schedule because they play on Saturday against the Ravens. So, kind of a lot to get into as uh, as we get you ready for this game. We'll have our big preview pod at its normal time on Friday morning, so you can look forward to that today a little bit. Uh, a little bit quicker, just kind of going through some of the news of the day. And Mary Kay, let's start with Deshaun Watson because he spoke today, uh, as he normally does on, like I said, a Thursday. Um, he had some interesting things to say, and and I think the one thing that stood out to me, and uh, this was, I believe, the first thing you wrote today, is you know he obviously admitted that he's not close to where he wants to be. Not a big surprise, but um, he also said. He wants to be better than the quarterback that he was in 2020. Now, that's obviously saying a lot because in 2020, the last time he played a full season, he led the league in passing yardage. He completed 70.2% of his passes through 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So when you hear him say that, what, what do you think he means when he says he wants to be better than he was in 2020? Well, if you remember... He asked to be traded after the 2020 season. And that was even before all of the off the field allegations surfaced. I believe the Texans might have gone four and 12 that season. And there were a lot of issues. It was a very uh, dysfunctional football team and he wasn't able to uh, win there. It was, it was just not a good season, even though he led the NFL with 4,823 yards, as you mentioned, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. It just wasn't the kind of season he was looking for. He wants to take the team to a Super Bowl. That's what he wants to do. Uh, so he said all these, you know, bold proclamations today that he wants to be better than 2020, uh, that he um, is not even close to what he wants to be, and that he wants to be the kind of player that when he steps on the field, he can't be stopped. This offense can't be stopped. So I thought uh, those were some very sweeping, big, huge statements to make. And, um, you know, and good for him and good for the Cleveland Browns, because if he can accomplish that and do what he's setting out to do, then this team in this town are going to be very happy. Ashley, when you hear Deshaun say that, what what do you think he's getting at? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is almost like maybe some pent up frustration for it hasn't been like super seamless with him, you know, coming here and and producing immediately. But I think for me, what I think he's talking about is like not only his ability to obviously we know he can create plays on the ground, which he's done throughout his career. But I think like it's finding this almost like unstoppable connection with his pass catchers. And I think there are like a few guys that, 
he can maybe do that with, right? Like we've already seen it. We've seen him kind of link up very well with Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Njoku. And I think, you know, obviously Amari Cooper, given his route running, that's something. But it's interesting kind of this week to hear the Browns defensive guys when they talk about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, who they just saw last week, right? And that ball, that first touchdown pass that Joe Burrow threw to Jamar Chase, like Jamar Chase was even surprised the ball came to him and they still made the play. And I think like ideally when Deshaun Watson's talking about being better than, than he was in Houston, like that's part of it, finding those connections. And I think like more obviously, like Deshaun Watson has never, you know, gotten a Super Bowl. Like that's, he said that multiple times today. He made that point about, you know, wanting to do that and wanting to bring a Super Bowl here and win a Super Bowl. Like I think for him, it just sounds like that's the ultimate goal that he came to Cleveland because he thought it had the best roster and best chance for him to do that. Mary Kay, I think another part of it too is when you think about Deshaun Watson and how he's talked about, I think people have sort of, you know, danced around it a little bit, but he's never quite been put in that same class as Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, um, you know, that elite, like top, absolute top of the league um, of quarterbacks. Now, some of that has to do with, uh, you know, any talk of that stalled when all the off-field allegations hit. And he, you know, he missed that full season. And then, of course, he missed the first 11 games of this year. But he was always sort of on the fringe of that discussion, like top five-ish guy. You know, you'd put him maybe just outside of that. Um, although I think we always took him pretty high in our quarterback drafts. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if that's part of it, too, of this, like, you know, obviously winning is the most important thing. But I do wonder if there's a part of him that wants to to just say, like, hey, I want to put myself in this discussion when people talk about Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and even, you know, Justin Herbert. I want him to think about Deshaun Watson, too. Yeah, you know what? I honestly don't know if that's it for him. I get the, the feeling that he genuinely wants to win because he has been to the top of the mountain in terms of rating. He was number two that year at 112.4 behind Aaron Rodgers. Again, he led the NFL with those 4,823 yards, and he threw touchdowns all over the yard, 33 of them that year. So he's put up a bunch of numbers and a bunch of stats, but he wasn't. what he hasn't done consistently is be able to win and take his team to the Super Bowl. So I think that's what it is for him. I think that that was the number one consideration uh, for the team that he wanted to come to when uh, the four teams were courting him and trying to trade for him. I think he chose one that he really felt legitimately had a chance to get to the Super Bowl in the new, near future. Once you've been around for a little while, that's that's what you start to really want. That's what's important. This is not fun. I mean, when it gets to this point in the season and you're really not playing for anything anymore, it's not fun, right? I mean, like when he goes out on the field on Friday, I mean on Saturday against the Ravens, yeah, they're going to try to win the game and they're going to leave it all out on the field and all those kinds of things. But it's a heck of a lot more fun when you're playing to try to get into the tournament and then when you do get into the tournament. And he's only gone one and one. He's played in two playoff games, and he's gone one and one in those playoff games. So it's kind of like Miles Garrett in a way where you have this sort of superstar player, and they just haven't gotten there from a team standpoint. They haven't been able to take their team where everybody wants to go, which is either – very deep into the playoffs or to the Super Bowl is what everybody ultimately really wants. So I think that's what he is aiming for. 
I think that's what he's capable of. And I don't think uh, that right now he cares all that much about being considered up in that class with Patrick Mahomes. And, and Ashley, I guess a lot of that kind of comes with winning too, right? Like if you win a Super Bowl, if you, you know, eventually win an MVP, like MVP awards come with winning and, uh, and all of that. And um, if you lead a team to a Super Bowl, you, you kind of put yourself in that discussion. But, you know, if you kind of look at his NFL career, I mean, Mary Case, right? He, that's kind of the one thing he hasn't accomplished, right? Outside yeah. of maybe winning some significant awards, but like, He's thrown for a bunch of, war, of of yards. He's led the league in that stuff. He's, you know, he's been a productive player. He's gotten the the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history, but he hasn't won. That's like the the one big thing that's not there, and that's something that he's kind of done his whole life. Yeah, and I mean, we had this conversation, you know, recently a couple years or a couple weeks ago, I think. But like, imagine if if Kansas City hadn't won those Super Bowl that Super Bowl, right? And like, what the conversation would be around Patrick Mahomes and like does he need more pass catchers is Travis Kelsey really that good is Andy Reid the right coach like all these conversations start to pop up if you don't have a Super Bowl um and if you are not a quarterback that's led a team to a Super Bowl regardless of I think like some of those other accolades that are out there or regular season winning percentage or your individual stats because I mean, that's truly, I think, what separates you in this league and can separate your your legacy. It's obviously a huge part of it. And I think, you know, you see that kind of across sports. I know when we talked about the Kansas City example, I brought up, like, imagine if the Cavs hadn't won their championship in 2016 and how our conversations as a, a sports city would be so different and around that team would be different and around LeBron James will be different. Like, it doesn't matter if you are, like, the best athlete at your position or in your sport at a given time, if you don't have that championship, it undeniably affects your, your legacy and how people view you and your talent fairly or not. Um, So I do think it's, it's kind of understandable to me why that was such a big part today of him kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit and, and letting us uh, hear that because I mean, he was very honest, like I thought in, in bringing that up, that that's what he wants. Yeah. And Mary Kay, there's pro- I mean, there's prominent examples of this throughout NFL history. I mean, Peyton Manning for a long time had that carried that, Oh, he can't win a Super Bowl. You know, John Elway forever, right. Can't win a Super Bowl. Finally got to, I mean, that, that narrative starts to follow you if, if you don't start to win. And Deshaun Watson is in a situation where, you know, he's, he's got to start to win. And, and obviously there's a lot of other baggage that, you know, people are certainly rooting. There's a, there are a lot of people that are rooting for him to fail. Um, and, and so there's, there's kind of a lot writing on on him personally, I'm sure, when he views his legacy as far as winning and losing. Yeah, I mean, think about this. When you, The reason why you think about Patrick Mahomes the way that you do or why you think about Josh Allen the way that you do is because you have those memories of them winning those big playoff games or, in some cases, losing those big playoff games in heartbreaking fashion. When you think about Joe Burrow, you think about him getting to the Super Bowl last season and, you know, just really excelling and thriving in those shootouts and those big games and those big, big moments. And, and that's why, um, you know, that's why people traditionally haven't thought of, of Deshaun like that yet because he hasn't had that. I mean, he does have three Pro Bowls, so he's got a lot of, you know, individual stats and accolades, 
but he doesn't have the the team stuff. So I think that's what's important to him. And when you think about even like a, you know, a Justin Herbert, you know, it's a sort of the same thing. I mean, Justin Herbert is an excellent quarterback and everybody thinks of him in that way. But, you know, you, you take it up to a whole new level when you're getting your team into the AFC championship game and into the Super Bowl. And I really think that, um, you know, that that's what he's all about right now. And that's really not going to start, obviously, in earnest until next season because they are going nowhere this year. But I think he knows that these next four games are an opportunity for him to lay the groundwork for this to be a winning football team. And uh, some of those names you mentioned, Mary Kate, too. I mean, Justin Herbert, if the Chargers don't make the playoffs again this year, you know, he's going to start hearing about that a little bit. If the Bills come up short again, right? Like Josh Allen is going to start to feel that a little bit like, uh, is he going to leave this? I mean, Lamar Jackson is a prime example. You know, people love to cite Lamar Jackson's playoff record. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. You know, it's fair or unfair. This is ultimately how we judge that position. Yeah, I mean, they have to have a good team around them, right? I mean, it's not just, uh, you can't just have a, a really good quarterback and then not enough other stuff. I mean, right now, I think the um, the NFL is really showing how important it is to have a really good defense, right? I mean, look, if you look out in San Francisco right now, they have such a dominant defense that, you know, it's not catastrophic at the moment that they have Brock Purdy in there and that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is out with a, a foot injury for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, even in Baltimore right now, their defense is starting to play so well with Roquan, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and Marcus Williams is back. And I mean, they're, they're, they're looking more like a Ravens kind of a defense, what we used to think about. And, um, you know, it makes it so that you can plug in a Tyler Huntley and think that maybe you can go out there and win the game. So it can't just be about the quarterback. You have to have a lot of other really good things in place these days to get to the Super Bowl. Um, But certainly uh, Deshaun has what it takes to get there. Justin Herbert has what it takes to get there if they have enough other things around them. Okay, let's take a break. There's a couple other things I want to get to here on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, Ashley, one of the topics of the last couple days has been how the Browns approach Jamar Chase. And John Johnson today didn't point the finger at Joe Woods specifically um he he kind of pointed it back at the players maybe he was being protective i you know i don't know um but he mentioned that maybe they could have done a little more to help on jamar chase greg newsome said the same thing you know joe woods had a chance to to discuss it today so as you're listening to all of these guys talk about this what i i guess what what does this all mean like the the guys are, are kind of singling this out and and kind of questioning what's going on, especially what they did on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I thought is it just seems like there is such this disconnect there that we've kind of been hypothesizing might be there since earlier in the season. Right. And like our guys understanding what they're supposed to do or what they're doing, are they being put in positions to be successful? 
And like the, the, when I really started to think this was after we heard from Joe Woods today, right? Because of course, I think Mary Kay was the one who asked him like, Hey, these guys are saying, you know, this, that they didn't feel like the players were adjusting well enough. And you know, that they weren't helping on Jamar Chase as much as they could have. But Joe Woods pointed out, like he broke it down for all of us and is like, his biggest catches in that game came when the Browns were providing that help. I, I forget the exact numbers. I don't have his transcript in front of me, but you know, I think like of single coverage against him, they, the Browns won three of those six matchups, I think were the numbers he gave. And most of the catches came when there was help. So for me, it's like, you know, I'm not the one who's in there seeing that film and knowing what the play call is, which I think makes it tricky with this stuff. But it's interesting to hear those two very competing ideas and they're saying, oh, we should have helped more maybe, but when they did help, it wasn't really effective. And and to me, it just all illustrates, I think, this disconnect that is there between Joe Woods and, and players. And, and quite honestly, maybe it's been there all season because we kind of have wondered that all along, I think. Yeah, I, I just pulled up the transcript here um, and Joe mentions the target. So he said... Um, so first he cites last season when they had six or seven one-on-ones against him and they won them. Denzel Ward had a pick and created another pick and said he feels confident in the defensive backs that the Browns have. Um, this year, going to this year, he says, there was some straight man coverage on him, but we did double him and we did have zone coverage around him. In those 15 targets, I think we had six one-on-ones. Denzel won three. Uh, Jamar won two, and then we had one penalty. All the other catches were really in zone coverage or fire zone coverage. So Mary Kay, I think Ashley kind of used the key word there, disconnect. Does it feel to you like, like there's a disconnect here? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I think we've, um, you know, I think the players have done their level best throughout the entire season to kind of keep that buttoned up as much as they possibly can. But little tiny things have slipped out here and there. They, nobody has come right out and criticized the scheme. Nobody has come right out blatantly and said, you know, Joe needs to do things differently. It hasn't been like that. But little things like we heard yesterday from Greg and today from JJ3 uh, are a little bit of a window into uh, the notion that perhaps these guys think that some things along the way could have gone differently schematically. And I think that these are going to be part of the discussions that the Browns have after the season when they decide whether or not Joe Woods is going to be coming back as the defensive coordinator of this team. And it's it's going to be interesting to see sort of what this sounds like as we move forward, if the defense still struggles. And then, of course, when we kind of get to, you know, week 17, week 18, that, that day when the locker room is open after the season is over. We actually haven't had that day in a couple of years. So um, that it, it's going to be interesting to see where this discussion goes with these players as we, as we go along. One more thing. I think we can finally put this one to bed, but we we're still going to talk about it because Alex Van Pelt was asked about it today. Mary Kay, the fourth and one. Uh, I, I don't even, I feel like this has taken on like, outsized importance all of a sudden it has become like this touchstone and you know like Alex needed to be asked about it because it's the first time we've talked to him since, since it happened and he's the offensive coordinator um, but he defended it very strongly actually he said basically everyone everyone believed in this play and they believed that that it was the right thing to do 
Uh, but can we finally put this to bed? Can we finally put this behind us now that, that everyone's gotten to talk about it? Or is this still going to be just a hot button issue for Browns fans and Kevin Stefanski moving forward? I think it's going to remain a hot button issue. I don't think people are ready to get over this yet. I don't think, I think people are uh, looking for reasons to, uh, you know, to, to put a bow on why things didn't go right this season. And I think a lot of people want to blame uh, Kevin Stefanski for a lot of what has gone on. And I don't think they're going to let this go anytime soon. Every time I turn on, you know, Twitter or sports talk radio, you name it, someone is talking about whether or not Kevin Stefanski should be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns after this season. There are even polls on Cleveland.com, our very own site, where, you know, we had nothing to do with those polls, but they're there. Um, and it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I, for one, firmly believe that Kevin's job is 100% safe. Uh, I think all we have to do is look back to what Andrew Barry said at the bye week when he said that um, they feel as, as good about Kevin today as they did the day that they hired him. I believe that's how this organization feels right now. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon. So people might want to try to be running Kevin out of town, but I don't think they're going to be successful. And I do think that it was important to just kind of get that on the record. And I happen to agree with Alex Van Pelt. I think it's okay to try occasionally to take some kind of a risk to change things up, to shake things up, to be aggressive, uh, to try a play that you think is going to work. I think that Jacoby might've just gotten maybe like a little too hyped up on the play or Alex Van Pelt said that, um, I can't remember exactly what he said about how I have to, I have to write about this in a little bit, but um, that didn't he say that DPJ got a little held up on that or something to the, to that effect where, you know, it just didn't go exactly as they planned it, but had it hit, it would have been brilliant. They would have been up seven, nothing. And it could have changed the whole game. It could have been a game changing play. So I don't have as much of a problem with it as other people do. I think it's very easy to pile on when a play like that doesn't work. I mean, the, the Bengals try to play, they were trying a, a receiver option pass. And it didn't work out. Jamar Chase got sacked by Miles Garrett. But, I mean, I don't know that we need to crucify Zach Taylor for trying it, right? I mean, you try some things. They tried a flea flicker, and it worked. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't work at all, and they they go awry. Um, so I don't have a problem with, with trying different things to cross up a defense and to give to give the opponent something to think about. And I, I guess to me, Ashley, like, I, look, I, I didn't like it. I, I liked going for it on fourth down. I didn't like taking Deshaun Watson off the field. I, I want the ball in Deshaun's hands in that play. But I guess the outsized, like, narrative this play has taken on is, like, this play is why Kevin Stefanski can't be the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. It's yeah. like, really? Like, I just didn't like the play. And, you know, Mary Kay liked the play. Yeah, like to me that it's that simple. I yes, I didn't like, like it. 
other people probably did, but it's not a reason to fire fire a coach. Yeah, and I think like another thing that's just gotten so overblown in my mind is is just I mean in general, it's like the panic for how this offense has looked over the last two weeks. And it it's just like this guy had not played football in seven hundred days. And he has not played with these receivers before. And in my mind, I'm like, it's not an excuse. It's a reason for why this has happened. And I think, like, we have seen this offense change under Kevin Stefanski. Like, it's not true that it is the exact same stuff that they were running for Baker Mayfield when it was boring. Like, I mean, when's the last time we talked about 13 personnel, for example? Right? Like, there's just been – we have seen them implement, I think, a lot of the things that – Deshaun Watson does really well, especially with the option stuff that they just like couldn't do with Baker with the RPO stuff and the way they've been running it. Like that stuff has been there, but I do think it's just going to take time. And of course, like no one wants to be patient when you make a deal like this, when you have guys like we've talked about are in the prime of their careers. And yeah, it does stink that like another year of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb has gone by and it's going to probably end with this team not making the playoffs. But I just think like the offense aspect of things and the criticism that Kevin Stefanski is getting, like some of it, yeah, like we can criticize certain things and we can like that play or not like that play. Um, But it doesn't mean like because it's looked like this for two games that it's always going to look like this and that he's like, not changing and that he's not qualified to be a head coach. Like that's not the case at all. I don't think. And stuff is getting overblown on Twitter, which what else is new? Yeah. And, and like, if you, if you want to make the case against Kevin, that that's fine. Um, and like, you know, I've seen some people make the case that, okay, you keep Kevin, he's going to open next season sort of on a hot seat. Like, you, you know, you got to start getting this thing right. And I, I understand that argument um, for, for maybe why you just want to make sure. But it can't just be because he put Jacoby Brissett in on a fourth and one and it didn't work. <laughs> you can hate the play, but it, it's not a reason to fire your coach, I don't think. And, and the, the other thing about that is uh, if you keep Deshaun in there in that situation, they're going to be looking for the pass. If you put Jacoby in there in that situation, they're going to be looking – for him to do what he has done every other single time in that situation is keep the ball and convert the fourth and one. So that was the wisdom in putting Jacoby Brissett in there is that they certainly didn't think that he was going to be the one firing the ball into the end zone there. And I think that they were also counting on a favorable matchup between Donovan Peoples-Jones, the king of the contested catch, uh, going up against uh, you know, one of their quarterbacks. So, you know, I, I agree with, I understand the wisdom in the play and I understand why uh, it would have worked or should have worked a little bit better with Jacoby than it might have with Deshaun. I don't have a problem with it. I have a problem with the execution of it. Something happened between those two. It should have been, he was open. It should have been a completion. I don't know if Jacoby got a little too hyped up. I don't know what happened with DPJ on that. Uh, but it, it just didn't go for a completion, and it should have. And and I'm telling you right now, nobody would have had a problem with it. I don't think we would have spent uh, an entire week talking about firing Kevin Stefanski if that one connection would have happened. Okay, did we miss anything? 
anything else we need to, to cover here before we call it a pod? I think. Uh, oh, ahead, yeah. One thing real quick. I was just going to say that Tyler Huntley was a full participant in practice today. And Lamar Jackson was not out there today. And as of right now, as long as he clears the concussion protocol, which is not always easy, it looks like Tyler Huntley is going to be the quarterback on Saturday against the Browns. We know what he did last year. We know how he looked. And that can be challenging. And they have such a tremendous running game right now with J.K. Dobbins back and Gus Edwards and the Browns being challenged with uh, with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa being out for the season. Uh, I think all of these things are going to play into uh, the game. And, and remember, the Ravens are going to be very motivated to win this football game. They are in uh, you know, a, a fight of a lifetime uh, to try to win the AFC North and stay on top of the Bengals right now. And uh, they're coming in here with the playoff intensity. Yeah, a lot on the line for them. I mean, look, that's a team that's just found a way to win. I don't know how. But every week they just keep finding a way to keep pace uh, with the Bengals, and they'll try that try to do that on Saturday against the Browns. It's going to be cold at First Energy Stadium, so Deshaun Watson's first weather game here as a Brown. Of course, he played in that game in 2020 um, in the the wind and the rain and the lightning, and who knows what else happened in that game. It was it was not great football conditions. Uh, that was also the Nick Chubb no Moss game, by mm-hmm. the way, if, if you yep. remember. But yeah. we won't go down that road here on this podcast. We'll save that for our season review after all is said and done. Uh, so that'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, of course, become a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. I do want to give one quick shout-out here. i got to call it up, so I'm going to stall just momentarily. But I did ask uh, some folks if they could do this, and – I want to give a shout out to a reviewer who weighed in and Ashley, you'll be happy to hear this. This comes from Carson beaching in our reviews, five-star review says he likes all of us. So appreciate that. Thanks for keeping us informed. And plus I sniffed out that Bengals man fan video as a fake in 10 seconds. Stay woke. So there we go. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for confirming what I thought. And we did get one texter who I know replied to one of my texts last week and was like, oh, that video is definitely fake. So we appreciate the people who listen to our call to action on that because 1000% fake. I think we can all agree. Yeah. And, and look, if you leave us a five-star review and you tell us your thoughts on the video or just make me laugh, which is actually really easy. Uh, maybe, just maybe you will get read here on the podcast. All right. Like I said, that'll do it for this one. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I am Dan. Thanks for listening.